Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day 32 of the 7 a.m. Novelist 50-Day Writing Challenge, first draft edition. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Today, we continue our week talking about scenes, and we've got one of the pivotal writers and thinkers about scenes, in my mind at least, Sandra Schofield, who's the author of The Scene Book. The Scene Book is a book I hand to every writer and every instructor I know because it's the only book I know that really concentrates just on scenes and what a scene actually is because if you don't have this building block for your book you're not going to be able to understand anything else so sandra is calling in from montana so she's up really early so thank her for that um, she's a native texan who has spent the last 40 years in oregon and montana since 2006 she has been on the faculty of the solstice mfa low residency program at LaSalle university she has also taught at the Iowa Summer Writers Festival since 1993. She is the author of seven novels, a memoir, a book of essays about family, a book of stories, and two craft books for writers. So in addition to the scene book, she also has a book called The Last Draft, A Novelist Guide to Revision, which I highly recommend. Um, her work has been warmly praised. She was a finalist for the National Book Award, among other on honors. Sandra, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I know you've got a lot to say about scenes. We've talked this week about intention, conflict, negotiation, turning points. This is all stuff that Sandra also talks about in the book. Um, today, we're gonna to focus on consequence and in particular understanding consequence, um, the difference between an occasion and an event. So Sandra, I'm gonna turn it over for you to a little while. Um, how did you how did you start to think about these things about the difference between occasion and event in your teaching and your writing and what in your mind is what does consequence mean? Well, this is it sounds simple, but of course when you're writing, on one hand nothing is simple, and on the other hand everything is. Yeah, something has to happen. It's as simple as that. And uh, over and over with student writers, I. I see, I see them writing things that are really interesting um, and kindly, I will say, especially interesting to them, um, but it doesn't move the story. Yeah. And there's, you just have, you have to think of yourself as using something of value with every page. You're using the reader's time. You're using the reader's attention and if if the story doesn't move, if it if there isn't a consequence for action, you will lose the reader. Um, sometimes I think it's because we're in love with our own voice, we, and yes. we love our story, yeah. And we're and we get on a roll, you know. Yeah. And that's that's what drafting is for. That's wonderful. But ultimately, when you look at your manuscript, you have to say. How how at the end of this scene, and at the, or and or the end of this chapter, how is everything different than it was at the beginning? Yes, it's it, it, and and being different things being different can seem very small. You can but you can weigh the the consequence of the event by what comes after what is coming, what has changed, the question that is raised. Um, so consequence simply means the movement in the story, in the narrative that 
matters because it makes the next thing happen. Right. Um, and in the reader's mind, it raises a question about what the next thing is going to be. Yes, perfect. So I think it needs it needs those two things. I oftentimes use the uh, metaphor of, of a hallway of long open doors. And as you write in your book, each oh, yeah. scene is a door that closes at usually at the turning point because something has changed, something has moved and the characters cannot go back through that door. That that's door is closed. Yeah, that's a wonderful image. And they're moving forward. Um, so, and so, and then I see that all the time too. They don't, you know, something happens in a scene and they don't carry it through to the next scene and the next scene and the next scene. They're not being responsible for what they've actually already put on the page, which mm -hmm. is fine in early, um, in an er or first draft, early draft of discovery, but then you need to go back in and, and do as, as uh, I, I always think of um, uh, Virginia Woolf saying, gather in or, or at least pay attention to what is there in order to move the draft ahead. Well, actually you raise, I think a really good issue, which is the difference between the first draft and a later draft, because it's not just first draft and then you have to fix right. it. Um, and in that early, in that very first draft, I don't think, I, I don't think you should monitor what you're doing. I think you should write, really write from whatever is the impulse, because in the, you think you're going to write a certain scene and it takes a direction you didn't think of, follow it and see, see where it goes and don't judge it. Um, because when you read that first draft, you will have discovered things you didn't know when you started. But then when you, when you start to write, and, and I'm going to back up and say, and I'm certainly not thinking that whether it's a story or a novel, that it's a draft and then the, and then the, right. the draft. So, but after, the, in that first draft, it's really important to stay fluid and open and, and to have dead ends and, and all of those things. But ultimately, when you say, okay, now I'm really ready to shape this and focus it, the very first question is why? Why do I have this scene? You know, what is this doing for the, for the narrative? And, and ultimately, what changes because of it? Now, the change in the story, meaning the, what, the what the character's life is going to be, um, how, how events will follow, that change may not happen until later in the story, but it's set up by what happens in this one. So when we say a scene has a consequence, we don't necessarily mean that the consequence is within the scene. Yes. Or that the consequence is even the next thing that happens. Yes. And, and to me, both as a writer and as a reader, because and this is where first drafts are important. Sometimes I'm writing and I don't even know what that consequence is. I think I know what I'm doing. And it isn't until later that I realized what that seed was. I, I just, you know, I just constantly have to oh, have to keep my myself open when I'm writing, but at the same time try to be focused. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, in the moment, you in the moment you think you know what you're doing. <laughs> yes. you know, that's what it. That's what it comes down to. 
And I do, it also depends on how you plot your books. So it sounds like we also had this whole discussion about pantsers and plotters. Oh, right. Um, And there's no real, there's no real definitive line between them. And these, in these terms are probably silly to begin with. Um, It sounds like your process is, is more pantsing, more discovery. Is that correct? At this stage of my life as a writer, I would say you have a number of of that goes on in my head. Right. You know, but, um, but I can't imagine writing a first draft and, and, and that being it at all, because there, because there is that just, it comes to you. It's a blessing. It's a, you know, a discovery. Um, But I'm working right now on a new novel and it's been in my head for two years. I'm doing other things, but I'm, I, you know, I've been thinking about it. And now that I'm sitting down to write, what's coming out is news to me. You know, I, it's, I, it's, I'm, I'm not sure, but I do have a sense of, what, of things having to be set up for what's coming. Um, and and that's so there's the front of your mind working on putting words down and there's the back of your mind kind of pushing it and saying, yeah, but don't don't forget what's coming and how does this affect it? Um, it's, 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 in some parts, it's very it's in some parts to me, uh, writing is very thoughtful and focused and in some ways it's just it just comes from the sky. <laughs> yes. But what helps, what helps is to focus scene to scene because, mm-hmm. um, and I think even in a story where scenes may be much shorter or there are fewer of them than in a novel, um, you have to focus on what what's in front of you and not be overwhelmed or intimidated by the scope of what you're trying to do. Yeah. And so being very deliberate about this is the room I've entered. You know, this is this is the place I am as I write this today. And and give yourself permission to go in that room and see what's there. So I can't imagine plotting a scene, for example. And I know, I mean, I know, especially for genre fiction, I think it really does work to to do a lot of plotting. Um, it's very action oriented, and 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 the sequencing mm-hmm. uh, is tight. But but to me, about all all I know going into a scene is where I am, and why I'm there, and a sense of where. I want to be at the end, but inevitably, inevitably, I'm surprised by it, even if I plan it. Right. And if you're not surprised, the reader is never going to be surprised. You know, so um, yesterday I was working on a scene. Um, it's a, a, a young mother um, of a child who just went, started first grade, um, no husband, and she works at a, this is like in 1949, and she works in a um, um, drugstore. And there's a man who comes in occasionally. That's where he gets his stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. 
and he's interested in her and she comes out of the drugstore one day and he's standing there waiting for her and he, he says says I, I I know your name and I know know you know me and I'd like to talk to you um that's the beginning of a whole relationship and she resists it but um that's really all when I started on the scene that's really all I knew was that the fact that he would be there waiting for her as she came out from work that's the occasion for the scene that's that's why the scene can happen it's set up mm-hmm. um, but there's the event is very small which is that she he asks he offers her a ride home from work and she declines that's it that's mm-hmm. going to happen a couple of times until she agrees I mean, this is a sequence of scenes that are really, is there such a word as seamlet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the little pieces of scenes um, until we get to the point where they actually spend some time together. Um, so are they, um, so the, okay. So the idea of occasion versus event, and I actually might have these mixed up. So occasion I always thought was, um, Actually, I might have these mixed up. It's, it's, the it's just something happens. There. It's the reason you're there versus an event is just something that happens. No, an event is something that happens. But in, in talking about the scene, what I'm saying, the, the occasion is, as we just said, is the reason the, the reason a scene can happen, what brought these people together. Right. The event is the reason for the scene. It's It's the function of the scene. It's what happens that moves the story. So the occasion is what what brings us together at the beginning of the scene, and then it becomes an event when it has consequence. Yeah, so you have a Thanksgiving dinner, and all the family is there. And the event is uh, the young couple reveal that they're getting a divorce. Yeah. And because they're getting a divorce, blah, 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 the children, everything happens. Yes. Um, the event is always the, the, the event either closes a question that the reader has because of what has happened before, or it opens a question about what is coming. Excellent. Excellent. And I, and I really like, I really tell my students to remember that there's all, uh, you have to have questions in the reader's mind. Yes. And you have to know when you're raising them and when you're changing them or solving them. Right. And complicating them. Um, as you Bond- go. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and I also like this idea. So we talked about also when we talked about pantsing and plotting, we talked about burrowing. And I'm wondering if you do this as well in your process, um, since you like to stay in the scene in your process and you like to be there. I mean, a lot of times people, if they plot their books ahead, they're kind of racing on to the next scene and the next scene and the next scene and just kind of desperately filling in pages. And their focus is always on, the end point or their focus is always on filling in those pages, which I think can cause a lot of writer's block. And instead, if you if you get stuck in a scene or run out of run out of material or energy or creative energy, um, 
go burrowing back into what the scene has already given you or burrowing back into what previous scenes have already given you. And that's probably about consequence, I think, as well. It's, it can be about language. And whether there is about, a consequence. And whether it is a consequence. Right, so, because so, I think that's what makes a scene boring if there's not. Right, right. So one way to avoid writer's block is always to look back, okay, what have I already done? Even, I think, in, even in the first draft, what have I already done and how do I follow through with the consequences that those events have given me in order to, to advance the material and move forward. Um, yes, that's a, I, I think that's a, not only a terrific idea, but to play on it a little bit, not just to look at what happened just before, but to stop and reflect on er, much earlier. Yes. Or the beginning. Yes. And you're always saying, how did I get here and where am I going? Yes. Um, and, and what happens <clears throat> and what happens a lot, I think, in drafting is you're, you're using the writing as an act of discovery. So you're putting a lot down, excuse me, <laughs> but you're putting a lot on the page that is just, is, ultimately doesn't have to be there. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, if you've, if you've got the plan, I, and I see this in writing books and stuff all the time, you know, where you plan not only the, the story or the book, but the scene um, very deliberately. I just wonder how you do that without losing your enthusiasm yeah. for what you're doing, um, because I, I think of writing as entering the the world of my characters and just being there. Mm -hmm. And and I can't always see what's coming. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I can manipulate it. I can come back to it and change it. But if I always know what's coming, I think I would be bored. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really bored. And so a lot of people who plot ahead, they'll be like, well, I need this result in the scene or I need this consequence. And they, so they actually determine that first and yeah. then they try to move their characters there. Um, and that can be just as you say, it can basically cr kill creativity. Um, and you're also not paying attention to your characters step by step, the beats that get them there. Not only not only the emotional pulse that gets them there, but the moments of action and dialogue that you need to really get them to that consequence. Yeah. I do think I, you know, I do think there are readers. Um, I mean, I do think there's a match between readers and writers. Yeah. And I do think there are readers who really do want that movement ahead. Um, and, and I can understand why the writer would plan so specifically. Um, but at the same time, the act of discovery, you know, of coming upon the feeling, you know, coming upon something in the character that I didn't know was there until I got to it and saw the character behaving in the scene. So, so when I go into a scene, I know where I am. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and as I said, I, I have a, a kind of question. You know, so I know I know that that my character and this man are going to end up together at least for a while. I know right. that, but 
I also know it's 1949 and she isn't going to walk out of the door and agree to get in a car with him. Right. So, so I know that, that it's going to take a sequence of, of things to happen. And so it's a very little scene. And then there's another little scene, but each one is a little different too. And something opens up for them. Yeah. Um, so my my under you know go, a lot of the work of planning the scene happens after I've I've written it. <laughs> right, but you do um, still have that question that's guiding you, which I think is huge. I, I know what the scene is for. Yeah. Have a sense of the function of the scene. Yeah. Or I know I really do. I know exactly why I'm having the scene. Yeah. And I think I know what's going to happen. But I, I mean, I'm I, I I and I'm a great believer in, especially if you're if if the writer's nervous about not not having a guide or not having an outline or not knowing, I tell them, then work in a sequence of synopses. You know, so maybe maybe the next two or three scenes you want you you want that arc in your mind just write a few sentences to capture that for each one and then and then you can relax into the first one because you know what the consequence of that scene has to be yeah you have a goal and you know what the consequence of the next one you you have an arc and then and that helps it's 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 a form of planning. It's a form of outlining, but it doesn't tie you down to the steps of it. Right. Um, I mean, I think we all. I I don't know. I, I I think the more mature you are as a writer, in other words, the more writing you've done, um, the more the pleasure is in the discovery. Yeah. And the le- and the less you need. It, the less you need the the comfort of knowing exactly what you're doing, you know. I mean, to me, there's no such a thing as wasting your time writing, because something will something will happen that you didn't expect. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, Because I do have a lot of I have a lot of students and writers that they are they're just desperate to get a book done or they're just desperate to get. And I was that way when I was younger, Um, when I I started an MFA when I was 23, which is ridiculously young to do it, start an MFA. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a book done by the time I finish my MFA. And the MFA was actually a three year MFA. And of course I didn't, but I was so desperate to get it done. And it, it, and it actually, the book is not going to follow how quickly you actually want to get it done. That's not actually yeah. not going to, yeah. you know, and you might have deadlines from publishers, but it's still, it's only going to come as quickly as it comes. Yeah. Um, you just can't force it. I also have students who, um, so you talk about these scene lets. And for you, do, does each, I have students who are like, well, does each scene need to have a consequence? How many static scenes can I have? These are kind of unanswerable questions, but they still ask me. Um, or do I, do, can I allow my chapter instead to, to gain that consequence? How do you work with those scenelets? Do you, do you expect each one of those to have consequences they continue to the next and the next? Well, consequences is a, sounds like a big word. Yeah, that's true. But but it can be 
it it can be a very it can be just a step toward yeah. the next thing but i think there's a real danger in settling into describing and sort of roaming through uh, the relationship or the situation or whatever um you have to always have to ask yourself would my reader would my reader want to keep you know turning the page to find out what happens yeah that sounds like a you know it's a thriller or something but in a sense it is in a sense every story is a thriller. every story by the way yeah i mean my own personal reading taste is for depth more than propulsion yeah right now i for the last year or so i've been reading um and and don't ask me titles not at this time of the morning (laughs) But I, I've been reading novels from New York Review Books. I, I joined, they have a subscription where they send you a book every month. Mm. And um, most of them are by, are translations. Um, they're old books, et cetera. And I love them. And I love them because they're so intelligent and the sentences are so beautiful and they're surprising because they're about, um, they're about e- events and times and places that are new to me. But, but I, I'm never bored. Yeah. You know, I never. And at the same time, I'm. This is going to sound funny, but I'm not being driven when I read a no- novel by a Russian written in 1954. I'm not really driven by what's going to happen next, as I am the extreme pleasure of being present in a narrative that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that is going someplace I can't predict. Yes. And that's because I'm reading books that are outside of my own experience and indeed my own culture. Right. If so, I can really see a difference between writing, I don't know, I guess I would call it commercial fiction, um, where you want exactly the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. You, you want to raise the kinds of questions that are familiar to the reader mm. and excite them and answer them versus the kind of fiction that part of the pleasure is just being being there for it. Yes. Yes, yes. it's going somewhere, but page to page, it, it's, it's the pleasure of reading the words. I don't yes. Know. Yes. No, exactly. no, I got off on something that. <laughs> no, it's very good. But let's go back to because um, I like this idea of that a consequence is is that sounds like a very daunting word and it sounds like it can be huge. Um, and and being that you actually need those smaller consequences in each scene in order to add up to the larger consequences over the course of the book. If you're looking for huge consequences in each scene, you're gonna be forcing a lot of action. You're gonna be forcing your characters to do something that they probably don't, they're not ready to do. So I think about one of my favorite novels is Being Dead by Jim Crace. I don't know if you know that book. So there's a moment, there's a scene in which these two completely awkward people are kind of interested in each other. They're both zoologists or zoologists in training and they're at, a, a a research camp or something. And so they've been kind of dancing around with their interests, but they haven't announced their interests to each other. They take a walk on the beach separately and they kind of meet up on the beach. 
And the, the man um, says, look, I've got a trick to show you. And he grabs a sand hopper, which is a kind of in, insect that lives in the sand. And, he's, and he puts it in his hand and he says, look, if I, if I blow on the, on the sand hopper, it seems to just disappear. Um, so he puts the sand hopper in, hopper in his hand and he blows on it and it disappears and it's like magic. And so she tries to do the same thing. She tries to grab a sand hopper. She tries to blow on it and she's blowing and blowing and blowing and the sand hopper is not disappearing. Nothing is happening. So he takes her wrists, puts a sand hopper in her palm and he blows on it. And it disappears. And it disappears. And that is the moment of consequence. It's very, very quiet. But at that moment, because of that faint touch, and his breath on her palm. At that moment, they both have now announced some interest and desire to each other. And nothing much has happened, but that's that's a big, that's a door to walk through and to close because they're not gonna be able to unannounce that interest. They're not gonna be able to take that moment of the breath on her, on her palm back. That's, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's such, and it, it actually takes a while for Jim Christ to even get to that moment. So he earns it. He's paying attention. He's paying attention to the scene at hand. Um, and so when we think about, um, you know, and, and this carries forward into any love story you write, any, any story at all that you're building questions and mystery, and it could be thrillers or anything, but you need those smaller steps to get to the larger steps. Yeah, I, that's yeah. Jim Crate sets a high standard. Yes, this is yeah, true. This is true. Well, but it, he also it, writes very plotted stuff, but also sentence by sentence, yeah. it's wonderful. But in terms of it being a small moment, it just makes me think of a, a small moment in what I'm writing now. Um, the it's as I said, it's 1949, and um, my character is 21 years old with a child. She has and, and no father, so she's always lived with her mother. She's never had a job and she finally is able to, she it, because she takes her daughter into a drugstore and sees that they need help, she asks, you know, da, da, da. anyway, she gets this very minor job, but she, she gets a job. Yeah. And, and the scene that I'm thinking of is, when she gets her first paycheck, it's 1949. The salary, the you know base salary is, or whatever you call it, the uh, what do you call it? The minimum wage is 40 cents an hour. Mm -hmm. And she gets her first paycheck, and she sits down with her mother, and she she has never had a cent of her own, and she gives her mother three dollars and eighty five cents from her first check, and she says, "This." You know, this is to contribute to the house. It's half of what is left. It's half of my check. Yeah. And yeah. because of that, you know, I mean, whatever, the, there's, there's a consequence in that. That is the first step towards her getting some kind of autonomy. Yes. But the consequence, for example, the, her mother has wanted to, to join an art class on Saturday with her friends and, and simply can't afford it. She, um, she works in a hospital at night or whatever. Because she's going to have $3.84 a week, she can join that class and, right. and learn to paint. So and it feels like the it has an emotional payoff. Yeah. There's a little separation 
of the mother and daughter each doing what she wants for the first time in this this daughter's life. Excellent. So there's an emotional consequence, and then there's also the physical consequence that she can actually take a class. Um, Yeah. And and I would point out that I, I, I do think, especially with student writers, that we get caught up in the emotional consequences. But over and over, I what I say to writers is, what? So what? Yes. Yes. So what? What Let's, is? How yeah. is this signed in the story? So what? So what? Let's end on that. I think that's because that's what consequence is. Something yes. happens, but so what? Wonderful, wonderful, uh, Sandra. I could talk to you it's, for hours. Um, this one's fast. We're gonna, we're, I know it always goes fast because these these folks need to get to their desks and they need to get writing. Um, oh, and so, but I do highly recommend. I'm sure you're already fascinated with everything that Sandra said. So, so chase after her craft books, chase chase after her novels. Um, she's got a lot of wonderful stuff to teach you about writing. Um, and then Thanks. tomorrow we're going to be talking about sensory detail with writers Laura Wilson and. Dan Fogarty. If you support what we're doing, please share, follow, and rate the 7am Novelist podcast. It's on Substack and other podcast platforms. And you can find our full schedule at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Sandra, thank you so much for your time. Thank I know you. I can I'll see be tuning ch- in now. Fabulous. <laughs> I can see the, ch- the chat going, wow, fabulous. Okay, everybody, you need to get to your desk and get working. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Go where it tells you to go, but you never wonder why there isn't a